step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey everyone, welcome back to Seeking Witchcraft. I'm your host, Ashley, and today I have on Julia Helena Haddis. You may know her as the author of Witchcraft Cocktails, 70 Seasonal Drinks Infused with Magic and Ritual, or now her newest book, The Modern Witchcraft Book of Astrology, Your Complete Guide to Empowering Your Magic with the Energy of the Planets. So welcome, Julia, to the show. Would you like to tell the viewers a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, yeah. And thank you so much for having me and making time um, on the day that we're recording. It's actually the release date of the, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> the newest one, the modern witchcraft book. So I'm, I'm really excited because, you know, I'm in the middle of moving and stuff. So it's nice to take like a pause and um, celebrate the book coming out. But yeah, for anyone um, unfamiliar with me. So I basically started off as, you know, um, a little teenage witch jumped into that much to the uh, displeasure of my family, as I'm sure for many of us. And, um, you know, deeply studied into that as working as a professional witch and then became a bartender. And I very quickly saw the ways that these two could be combined together, but also diving into the history of mixology of cocktails and alcohol is deeply tied to spiritual practices. And so started a blog and that eventually became my first book, Witchcraft Cocktails. And then I also have my second one, Moon Magic Mixology, which delves more into lunar libations, you know, the moon and water. And so the moon and different astrological signs. And then that transferred over into the Modern Witchcraft Book of Astrology, which focuses more on the astrological healing aspect of uh, what I do. Awesome. Well, I have a bunch of questions about your cocktail book and about your astrology book. And if you want to speak about your lunar book too, and just add that all in, we're going to, we're going to have a good episode. <laughs> yeah, of course. I love it. Cool. Uh, so can, let's start with the, the mixology or should I call it a mixology book or your cocktail yeah. book? Yeah, all of that. It's, it's like, it's witchcraft and it's mixology, you know? Um, and the, the, Thing that I'm really grateful for is because that comes from the background of me working as a professional in the spirits industry. So working at a distillery, working as a bartender, working as a manager at a restaurant, because the Bay Area, you've got to work a million jobs to make rent. Yeah, my, <laughs> right? my area too. I, I definitely, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was like working 14 hour days or whatever and, you know, work at the distillery and then finish off at a bar and then the next, you know, it's just crazy. So yeah, but so you know, it's written from the perspective of, I wanted to make it friendly for people who are beginner witches, but also more advanced witches and people that were beginner at cocktail making and also advanced. So I've kind of included an array of um, things in there, but basically, so when I was kind of, I mean, before Adam's Media, my publisher ever really like contacted me from my blog, I was actually making these drinks at a bar, you know, there'd be this certain astrological aspect happening, let's say there was like a trine with, you know, Jupiter and whatnot. 
And I would create a cocktail themed off of those astrological energies as far as what the benefits were of that transit or whatever may be going on, as well as, you know, how to nullify maybe the more negative <laughs> impacts. And so that takes its root, you know, into um, both it can be alcoholic or non-alcoholic because I include a lot of herbs and herbalism in to what I do. And so it took a while before people like, you know, I was doing this at a bar weekend. We'd have a tarot reader come from the other metaphysical store that I worked at. Um, and so, yeah, that grew into finally becoming a book. And so I included recipes you know, for uh, seasonally based, but also with the intention of like, you know, the special wheel of the year, the astrological season. So like Persephone's descent for the fall equinox, when we transition to the darker part of the year, and you think of Persephone heading into the underworld. And of course, it's a pomegranate based drink. You know, we've got the uh, fiery Maybon cocktail, which has a little fire magic, you know, for that festival. So lots of things like that. But beyond the recipes, I think that kind of what I strive to do because of how I was personally brought into witchcraft is I like to make things that people can learn and put their own twist on it because I think our flavor preferences are as unique as our witchcraft practices. So we all prefer different flavor balances. And we all prefer our own different approach to witchcraft. So I kind of spend a lot of time building up the basics of how magic and mixology intertwine and the number of recipes that you can make as is, but there's also a little appendix at the back of basic cocktail recipes so people can feel confident adjusting into what they're looking for, what energy. Oh, I want to use you know the energetic properties of strawberry in a cocktail. Let me go ahead and modify this, you know, uh, margarita or whatever it may be into with magical intention. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I wasn't sure with the drinks if it's more of it sounds like maybe it's a mix, but I'm not entirely sure if it's each drink is it just imbues the properties of something or making the drink can be part of a ritual or if the drinks are kind of like potions in a way where you drink it and like X, Y, and Z magical outcome may occur, like things like that. I wasn't totally sure about. Yeah. So I actually love personally doing all of those things. I will be frank, you know, in working with certain types of publishers, they want the book to be displayed a certain way. So they kind of cut down some of the things I included. So, you know, I had a couple spells for a few of them or uh, rituals, but we ended up cutting it down into an advanced magic section where you like include a, a tarot card, uh, meditation or a working with a crystal. But even in the bonus that I did for this, I had like put together all the exclusive stuff of how you can incorporate it because what we ingest into our body, our cells break down and uh, you know, our body digests, it influences from the inside out. So it's like, you know, a real life potion and alcohol, if you decide to include that or not, um, doubly so because it goes into your bloodstream, you know, and so it really influences how you feel. And so that can be, you know, from one side of magic, inspiring a certain energy to help you have the confidence um, when you're doing spell work, you know, to trust in a little more more if, if you're having um, certain feelings, it can inspire that. And especially when you taste an aligned cocktail where 
the syrup you put in is like chamomile syrup, just using chamomile tea, or, you know, it's a chamomile honey syrup, you know, and then you've got um, lavender bitters in there. I mean, you just have multiple ways to add in a line magic and you can have this really peaceful, refreshing concoction that maybe will help you feel a little more calm and peaceful. And then you can go do your ritual for bringing harmony into a household, or you can share that drink with a, a friend that you're trying to invoke more harmony and communication between. So you can incorporate it into a ritual. You can align it in other ways. Like maybe the ingredients you're putting in your cocktail, you also put into like a floral bath. Um, you can, Use it as a potion or spell in itself, because I think just the act of ingesting something or the symbol of the cup as to what you're allowing into your life, what you're allowing into your body, it's, it's just so symbolic. So there's really endless ways that you can get with it. I think one thing um, that was also in the bonus that I'd done for this, sorry, this is a couple of years ago, so I'm just remembering, but like, you know, I had a, you know, sidecar with a sugar rim, a lavender sugar rim. And you, the bonus material was creating a sugar jar with um, lavender in it. And so you did this spell for harmony. And then you shared this drink with someone. Um, and it had that corresponding of the ingredients in the drink and also that little sugar rim to help just bring a little bit of peace or, you know, um, bring in communication into a situation. So there's just so many ways to do it. And I think a lot of times like kitchen witchery is something that is really slept on in witchcraft. I think it's becoming more popular, but for a while there, I felt like many people were kind of sleeping on it. Speaking of kitchen witchery, that just reminded me of something kind of funny. Um, so long story short, I went to this festival many years ago and they had, they called it a kitchen witch workshop where it really was just making a little satchel with different herbs in it. And you would speak to the herbs to wake them up and then you had this satchel and it was supposed to help you with money to like get more money, get more income, not necessarily prosperity as a whole, but it was like targeted on money. And I moved not that long after this event happened. And shortly after I moved, I kept just getting random bits of money. Like I'd find money on the ground or I'd get a check from something I wasn't really expecting or like, like a class action lawsuit, for example, that like, I didn't even know oh, what was going on. Like things like that. I mean, it was never more than like a couple bucks, but you know, a couple <laughs> bucks, like when you're not expecting, it was great. And I was always like, why am I just getting all this random money? Like, I'm not upset about it, but whatever. And then maybe like a year or two into that happening, I happened to be cleaning out one of the drawers where I kept my hairbrushes. And apparently in the midst of my move, I had thrown that little satchel in the back of the drawer where my hairbrushes were. So my hairbrushes were laying on top of the ingredients oh, cool. to get me money. And I was brushing my hair every single day. And yeah, I, went, I remember when I found the satchel, I went to my friends. I was like, I think I know why I was getting all this money now. Yeah. I was inadvertently doing this. Um, so yeah, kitchen, kitchen witchery, like working with herbs, working with spices, that shit works. Like, yeah, yeah I love great. it's kind of like glamour magic. You know, I do think it's funny, though. I've never replied to those class action lawsuit things I get in the mail. I don't know, because I worked a bunch of hourly employers in California for years. And I get those mails every once in a while. And I just applied to them. So it's good to know that they're real. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I, I got this is so off topic. I got one once from this company called Chegg. And if anybody here is listening and was ever in college and bought textbooks off of Chegg, they had a big class action a couple of years ago. I got, I got a nice amount of money back from them. I think they had a data breach, just like every website nowadays. Wow. But 
I gotta look that up then because anytime I get those I'm like this is you know what up god dang it even Safeway like Safeway where you oh yeah that in the Bay Area <laughs> I got something about that a couple months ago so that's good to know oh yeah they're real they're <laughs> definitely real <laughs> oh that's awesome listen sometimes magic works in the way of just you know laying a hairbrush on top of some herbs that you yeah. charged with energy to get you money. And sometimes you got to do the mundane factor or the mundane things and you just get a check in the mail from a class action lawsuit. You know, it's all about balance. <laughs> I love that <laughs> but, but yeah, so going back to the book, so, and the drinks, you kind of touched upon this, but can you walk me through how you came up with these recipes? I mean, I'm assuming it was through just like years of experience, but did you take like any special classes to learn about herbs or did you do like a lot of research on your end to kind of tie everything together? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, so it's actually a combination. Um, so on the one hand, I was working at a metaphysical store for many, many years. And um, the people that I was working for are actually now all Llewellyn authors, but they weren't obviously at the time when I started working um, for them. And so, you know, um, we would sell like particularly Chaz Bogan, he did the Keys of Conjure. There's also, you know, um, Storm Fairy Wolf and Devin Hunter. And so, you know, Chaz would create these amazing herb blends, you know, and I mean, just working at a witch shop, to be honest, like you're selling herbs to people, you're guiding them as far as their magical practice and being like a little teenage witch, you know, into it. I was studying up all this stuff and then finally working at the shop. It just, you get really familiar and comfortable with saying as far as what herb is great for what, what crystal is great for what, et cetera. And then of course, you know, I did like more formal trainings. Like I'm a certified crystal healer, Reiki, you know, energy work, all that stuff. Because to me, a big part of witchcraft is healing, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it just became kind of natural. Like the second that I got into bartending, which I only took on a whim, um, there was like this, bartending school that my friend had mentioned and a couple months later I randomly remembered it now bartending school sounds really fancy this was a dive bar bartending school so we were like mixing colored water making AMFs like fake AMFs so this was not fancy <laughs> bar education but you know that the person who was like you know helping us memorize these recipes so we could go out and just immediately get a bar uh, bartending job rather than starting off as a bar back um, you know, just mention a couple things about like the, the history of a martini or something just in passing. Of course, most people didn't really care, but I instantly loved it. And especially in the San Francisco Bay Area, there is such a wonderful like history with cocktails in the Bay Area. Um, and there's just so many wonderful bars there and stuff. And so I immediately joined my local bartending guild and just took as much like education as I can. Again, I worked at a distillery. So I was really familiar with the distillation process. And as far as what makes each spirit unique, what is the herbal ingredients that it's from and, and very familiar to the extent of like, for example, people tend to think vodka, either they're made from potatoes or wheat that is not true vodka can be made from any spirit it just has to be brought to high enough proof so you know I had this really professional background with both witchcraft and mixology but the second that I started learning about bartending I was like oh my god well if curacao is an orange based liqueur and orange can be like used for uh, beauty or you know just mood boosting and happiness and then you have other ingredients you can throw in like lavender for peace I mean it's just 
there's so many liqueurs, there's bitters, um, simple syrup. Syrups can be like a really daunting word, but they are actually like simple syrups are, are simple to make, <laughs> which I'm happy to explain. And it's like, there's a million ways that you can add non-toxic herbal ingredients that you use you know, in your witchcraft practices into a cocktail. So if you're going to do a money candle with chamomile, jasmine, you know, patchouli, cinnamon, I mean, if you can find corresponding ways to add that into your drink, why not do that money candle with that herbal dressing and also ingest a cocktail that's going to bring it on the inside? I mean, it's just, so the second I got into bartending because I had that experience working as a professional witch, working at a metaphysical store, I was like instantly all the different cocktail ideas that I could do to make a potion that's aligned to those ingredients. And part of that is also experimentation because the reality is, is mixology, like, you know, when you're serving things at a bar, you've got to make sure that people like things, you know, to beyond your own personal taste. So I tend to have a very sweet tongue to be quite frank. And so you have to learn like when you're doing it on a public setting, how to make it, uh, most people would like it, the flavor. So there's a huge amount of testing beyond just does this potion, does the spell work, but also does it taste good? And so to be honest, like, and this is probably like my spirit guides, ancestors, deities love it because they get lots of leftovers, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't call them leftovers, but you know, it's good, you know, but I have to get the perfect increments. And so there is usually a, a batch of um, a cocktail or something that is leftover that I give as an offering or whatever. So it is a lot of experimentation, but it's just when you drink an aligned beverage like that, you feel it. You know, you each sip with intention, every ingredient you've added with intention, it's aligned, you know, as far as what the energy and the meaning of that ingredient is, and you ingest it in a sacred way, in a conscious way, it just you can feel it's different than drinking any other cocktail. And that's things a lot of people who get the chance to drink a cocktail that I've personally made say. So <laughs> yeah. So that sounds awesome. It sounds so lovely. Bunch of questions following all of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, ha I had a thought too, when you were mentioning making some drinks that didn't taste as well as you would have liked them to, it kind of reminds me of incense because there's a lot of incense blends or batches that you can make of it that are really great for the spirits. The spirits love it but it yeah. smells horrible to us. <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of one of those things of like, well, you know, it's not really for me. I mean, I guess with the cocktails, like I guess you'd be using it for a spell for yourself, but um, it, it just made me think of that. Like sometimes the things we do in witchcraft, like the things we make or smell or taste aren't always for us and they don't necessarily appeal to our senses and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I can say too, like, you know, because I do a lot of uh, taste testing or I have to, mess with recipes because I can't publish something a book unless it also tastes good beyond just being affected magically so you know as I add different infusions like even if it's you know vodka infused with vanilla which is delicious but you know if I if I have things that maybe didn't work out as I'm working magic for particular intentions I will also give like blend these infusions together specifically for spirit you know for example I had a pumpkin spice liqueur that I was working on and the first few batches didn't really work out and so of course I added a little bit of my 
vanilla vodka. And, you know, as I was pouring it for spirit or my guides, you know, in an elevation cup, um, you know, they just drank it up and loved it. And it just enhanced the magic that I was doing that much more. So yeah, it doesn't have to taste good, you know, but as long as you're, I think, I mean, even just saying aloud to them, like this, you know, is what this is for, it's just aligned energetically, it adds that extra layer um, when they sip it up. So <laughs> gosh, I'm such a basic pumpkin spice person. I'm one of those people. <laughs> oh my God. I see. Okay. So let me tell you when you get the books, um, the prosperous pumpkin is like my bomb, um, a pumpkin recipe in the first book. Let me find it here for you. It's prosperous pumpkin, uh, money in abundance. I'll, I don't know if you like whipped cream, but I am a whipped cream, uh, lover. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> my partner is always complaining about how quickly it just doesn't even like really go on top of anything it just goes straight in my mouth (laughs) um but you know it's it's got canned pumpkin puree I use a maple syrup there's cream cinnamon nutmeg it's just it's great for you know abundance but it's also I love pumpkin spice it's just (laughs) that just sounds good just listening to it just sounds so good I love that yes yeah. Yeah. And I should also mention too, to kind of like backstory. And again, like one thing that I, I love to do, cause I keep up recipes in my blog. I like to make things accessible. So I will always offer modifications. I always suggest that people do what's best for them. And part of that is also making something non-alcoholic. Um, now, unfortunately in the book, you know, p- part of just the editing process, my mocktail versions didn't make it, you know, in the published book, but I'll do that some, it's very easy if you try, you know, removing alcohol, of course, unless this is an old fashioned, then you might have a little more trouble. <laughs> You know, if it's a pure alcohol, like a Manhattan, um, although now they are coming out with non-alcoholic spirits all the time, but you can just replace the alcohol with soda water. Just add the soda water after you shake. You'll vary the ratio of sugar to acid. So probably make it a little bit sweeter, but you can, again, if it's too citrusy for you, you add a little bit more sweetener to balance it out. If it's too sweet, you add a little more citrus. And so it's always important to like, again, with the flavors, modify it for what works best for you. So let me ask, have you personally tasted all the drinks in the book? Oh yeah. For the first one, I, yeah, yeah. I couldn't, that's the thing is, um, you know, all the recipes, like usually Adam's media gives like two months to do this. So it's a little crazy. And to be honest, I've never really met those deadlines because I just have to make sure things taste good. So, and not that everything is really, you know, a ringer for everyone, but I had people come over and taste test, um, to just get their opinion and their feedback on the recipes. So absolutely. I, I wouldn't put a recipe that I haven't tasted, you know, but it's not that every drink is for everyone. Like, let's be honest, if you don't like tequila, which I think could really depend on the type of tequila that you buy, quite frankly, but you know, you may not like tequila type recipes. So it's just kind of finding out if you have a cocktail or type of cocktail or spirit that you really like kind of looking in that direction. Yeah, I'm one of those people that I don't like tequila. I've tried different types. I've even tried, what was it, 1942? Is that what it's called? I, I think I, is it the Don Julio one? It's like, yeah, the, like the expensive one in the tall bottle that's like the brownish bottle. Oh, oh, okay, For 1932? Nice. I don't know. I don't know. You can tell I don't drink tequi- or tequila, <laughs> but I've even tried that one before. And I, I just, I did not like it. I have a bottle of tequila I've had at my house for probably like six years. It's just sitting there, not used. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, but you know, I can give you some uses for that spiritually. I mean, that's the thing I love too, is like the word spirits and spirituality, because honestly, there's a reason alcohol is called spirits, which we can get into a bit of the history of. But like tequila, yeah, tequila is made from agave. And agave, specifically uh, the type uh, made from blue agave, it has to be, mezcal can be made from any agave, but tequila has to be made from blue agave. And basically, this plant takes can take up to, you know, uh, 20 to 25 years to bloom. And when it does, they have to watch it. And they have to kind of notice it's about to bloom and cut off, you know, the, the plant at that point before it gets the chance to bloom because that's when it releases all the sugars. And so that's what they use. And, and agave is just like wonderful for love and lust, but also because of its really interesting life cycle. I like to use it a lot for kind of the theme of like coming into power, you know, like having that belief, you know, in your ability to bloom as a, like a cheesy metaphor, but it has this really interesting life cycle and kind of the meaning of that. And then also the, the properties of the plant. So, and it's associated with Mars. So you tequila is wonderful to use for love and lust cocktails, or, you know, if you want to you don't like tequila and want to give it as an offering to spirit if you're doing like some sex magic or doing love magic like it would be really great to help ignite that passion um and that kind of that sense of just yeah the passion and sensuality so would you recommend maybe just like if i were to do that for example like putting it in a cup on my altar or setting it on fire somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, it would have to be very high proof for it to catch fire, quite frankly, That's but fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I would also suggest you be careful with that, but yeah, you just put it on your altar. I mean, I personally like to always, the way I've worked with my guides and ancestors, I always just say things aloud when I, and they always come through. Like if I need help with something or say, you guys, can you just give me some insight on this? And whenever I speak it aloud, it's kind of like my boundary, you know? So they'll always um, come through for that. So just pouring it, you know, and letting them know what it's for the intent, you know, if you remember what I say about what agave is um, and I mean, you can infuse it with hibiscus. You could infuse it with something if you want. You don't have to um, because hibiscus is also great for love and lust. Um, if you wanted to incorporate some fire magic, you could take, and this is something for anyone listening, I do suggest that you watch videos of this. I know I have it on my Instagram, but you can flame a peel. So basically the outer rind of the citrus has all of these pores on it. Um, and so part of those those pores have oil, just like our skin. And if you heat safely at an angle, but you do have to get kind of close. So this is something I suggest you watch before you try and do. Always practice fire safety. Um, but you can heat the peel above the little flame on the match. And use match because you don't want, you know, um, toxic fumes from other lighters there. And you heat it and you squeeze it and the the oils shoot out of the pores of the citrus and it causes this flame to go up. And that's just like so perfect for doing magic. So if you put in your offering of tequila and just, you know, in a nice glass, if you have that, I always get my glasses from Goodwill and you can take that orange peel or, you know, whatever peel, citrus peel you like. And you can think of your intention about that match and just squeeze the peel and this beautiful flame comes up and you can just drop it into the tequila and leave it there as an offering. Oh my gosh, I love that idea. That sounds really cool. 
Yeah. And another thing too, so this is like stuff that I actually incorporated in my most recent book, the modern witchcraft book of astrology. I can't, I can't leave the bartender kitchen, which part of myself behind. So I put it in everything that I do. Um, so another trick is that we do in bartending is if you pour certain spices, such as cinnamon above a flame, it will cause these beautiful sparks. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? So it's like another fun thing to like incorporate above like your candle magic. That's like for love or something, just sprinkling that cinnamon and getting that, that, that metaphoric spark started. So, yeah. Oh yeah. I, and I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because the amount of people that I have seen who tell other people to use cinnamon in their witchcraft or coating their candles or incense or something who don't mention that it sparks is really high. Um, Actually, I remember funny that that same kitchen, witch workshop where I made the sachet or satchel that gave me all that money that I had (laughs) on my hairbrushes, they were telling us that if we wanted to, we could just burn it on our altar. And there was, it was very highly cinnamon based. And I remember looking at the people around me and I was like, Hey, just so you know, like the cinnamon will spark. Be careful if you're doing that. And they're like, Oh, I didn't know that. And the instructor was like, Oh, it won't spark. And I looked at her like, yeah, it will. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, um, should you be teaching this class? Like what? Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I'm very happy that you brought that up because that could be a fire hazard, especially if you have your altar and like a wooden desk and you don't have any water or like a fire extinguisher around or if you're not expecting it it's a good thing to keep in mind for sure yeah yeah and to be I did we did have to put a fire safety note in the book because I will <laughs> like you know just as a bartender and also like you know for the fire season spells like working with fire magic you know I love to connect to that elemental energy and I do to be frank also include cinnamon as a candle dressing like I do that all the time but yeah definitely note that that's going to cause that flame. So we had to put that fire safety. Uh, I was kind of freaking out when I was writing this book and I was like, I can't change, you know, like these spells are so great, but like, I also don't want people to catch their home on fire. So please like (laughs) have several layers of protection, like a plate, a candle holder, or like a glass container with sand. Anyway, so. (laughs) Yeah, I, I got lucky. I have this antique cast iron Dutch oven essentially that I use as a cauldron and so I'm able to put just things in there which is awesome um and it's super old you know it's funny this is so off topic but my mom was cleaning out her house before she sold it and we had she had a lot of antiques and that was one of the things she was just going to get rid of when I went over to visit her wedding I saw sitting on the steps and I was like um where did you get this she's like oh (laughs) I've had this for like 30 years I was just gonna get rid of it I never used it I looked at her and I'm like, I'm going to take this home with me. Thank you. <laughs> That's such a great find. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It, I mean, it, it even has like a thing to hold the lid in place. Like it's, it's awesome. So I use that if I'm trying to do anything that involves a lot of candles or I need like a safe place to burn something or if I was going to burn something with cinnamon that's definitely going to be the place to do it yeah yeah so I have a bunch more questions I want to ask I want to ask you about the spirit definition we were talking about I want to ask you about making syrups and I want to ask you a little bit about your astrology book but we're going to take a short break and we back step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back in just a moment to continue the conversation. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus all right welcome back so let's just jump right back into it so uh, one of the questions I had is something as you brought up earlier about spirits and the name of spirits. I'd love to hear more about that because that was definitely something I was thinking about. I was like, isn't it ironic? It's called spirits. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I will just say, you know, from the perspective of like my family is from Poland, I have dual citizenship. So I am technically a Polish citizen. And so like even the word vodka comes from the word vode, which is water. And so the meaning really of behind the name vodka is water of life. Um, and I will say like, it's a lot of times, maybe the prohibition era kind of created this separation between alcohol and spirituality. But the truth is they are very intertwined. And even today, like modern craft mixology, bitters come from herbal tinctures that doctors or local healers would create for stomach malady shrubs, which are vinegar based vinegar, sugar, and like some kind of fresh ingredient or herb. That is also, you know, was based from healing. And that's something that people use in mixology liqueurs. They've got aperitifs and digestifs. You know, if you think of Italy, the types of liqueurs they have there, that was made to stimulate the appetite and help digestion. There's still green chartreuse made by the monks up in the French Alps. So it's very intertwined with spirituality, but we've kind of like lost that consciously. And pretty much, I feel like most things in the craft cocktail movement that happened within the last 20 years are based in these ancient healing practices, which as most of us know, who were the healers most of the time were local, you know, uh, women or midwives. But if you go back even farther, um, like alcohol was considered sacred to many ancient cultures and traditions. It was a way to communicate with their deities. Um, and even the fact of like, when you think of alcohol for maybe not so many people are familiar with the creation process of alcohol, but number one, you have to have organic ingredients. So the result of a harvest. Okay. And then a fermentation process has to happen. And fermentation is a process of transformation where yeasts turn sugar into alcohol. So it's transformation and a form of death. And I have to apologize really quickly. My cat is starting to 
um, make noises. So. Oh, you're all good. I don't okay. even hear the kitty cat. <laughs> okay, he's like trying to like remove this this cloth that we have by the door. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, no, no, you're, you're good. It's, it's funny hearing you say that because I've heard people talk about that with wine, how the grape will, it's alive, it's born as a grape, and then it dies. And then it's essentially reborn as wine once yeah. it ferments. Yeah, and that's just fermentation. And another note about grapes that not a lot of people realize is the difference between red wine and white wine, and even rosé. The defining quality as to what makes them what they are is the point at which the skins are removed in their process. And also, you know, sometimes the color of the grape will, will play a slight role, but mainly it's the skins. And so, you know, that's why I like to use white wine or sparkling wine, which has bubbles for spirituality, the soul, and red wine for things that are more lust in the physical body because the grape skins are left on in red wine. And so, and, and rosé is a mixture of the two. So, you know, when you're kind of looking for like friendship, the physical and the, the love and the sensuality and love and things like that is great for rosé. So that's just the in-depth experience of, you know, being a bartender and knowing the differences between different types of wines for that reason, but even with different types of beers, like what types of grains are invo involved in creating that flavor, right? So like IPA has to have hops, you know, and if you know the magical properties of those ingredients, then you take it even further. So actually specifically with beer, we've got like, you know, the ancient brewing goddess Ninkasi of Sumeria to which they would, you know, women would brew the beer in ancient Sumeria and sing this hymn to Ninkasi. But Ninkasi was believed to be in every drop of beer. Like she was the beer, you know, and so sacred in itself, but also there were special drinking practices. There was like certain laws against you know, public drunkenness. So alcohol was infused with spirituality and conscious drinking and respected. And they would be, you know, there was like uh, lapis seals on different priestesses. Um, I, I can't pronounce the name of the specific priestess. So I apologize. But a lapis seal depicting the sacred act of drinking through these sacred straws that they had of beer in order to communicate to the moon god Nana. So it's, it was so intertwined at every level because it was, when you think of it logically, one hand, alcohol does influence, you know, your level of consciousness, right, within moderation, <laughs> you know, um, but also on the other level of just the whole process of how it's created. And when you get into distilled spirits, we literally get the still, which the, the still is the special chamber. And there's so many different types of stills. There's like a pot still, there's like a, you know, chamber or column still that has multiple chambers, but basically it's heated to a very, the fermented substance is heated to a very high proof and the alcohol vapors rise. And so they are able to separate the alcohol from the organic substance. And so this comes from alchemy, like quite literally, they came from alchemy and alchemists. And even beyond that, like when you think to modern day, this is like nerd me working at a distillery all day, like showing, I mean, I was like, when I say working at a distillery, like I was very involved. I was working brand ambassadorship. I was starting to learn how to work with the still and monitor the gauges. We would, you know, so very in depth in all of that. And so the stills, like when they're made from copper, there's copper stills, that copper has a reaction with the alcohol. And also all alcohol has water in it. And we all know water is sacred, right? Like you can charge it, you make your moon water, all alcohol has water added. And so what type of water you're adding? Is it spring water? Is it, you know, filtered or distilled? That adds, all of that adds flavor and all of that also adds energy. Or some mezcals are like made from clay stills. 
So there's just so much like when you get really into it. And obviously I am a super big nerd in this. Like every aspect of making alcohol involves different energetic potentials, which is why alcohol is also great for preserving energies or heightening certain energies. And that's not even thinking of what is the base ingredient for that alcohol? Like we were talking about agave for tequila. So, <laughs> you know, and like I said, all ancient cultures, like even in Hinduism, there was this drink called Soma, which Soma became associated with their moon deity. Like there were separate deities once, uh, Soma and Chandra. I talk about that in my Moon Magic Mixology book. And Soma and this moon deity became infused together. And through drinking this fermented substance, which is like fermented lotus, other ingredients in there, they're still uncovering exactly what ingredient each ingredient was. This was like literally a way for them to communicate with their gods. So at every level, like alcohol is, is called spirits again for a reason. Like I was talking about vodka, water of life, um, it's really at its root connected to ancient spirituality and witchcraft practices. I feel like this can also be a way to explain why people feel different with different types of alcohol. Yes. <laughs> the and, most you know, simplest form. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, on the side note for that, like, you know, part of that is with certain liquor laws, like from working at a distillery, you know, certain alcohol companies are not required to when they put certain additives in there. So to be frank, <laughs> oftentimes, like if alcohol makes you feel really bad, it can relate to the quality of the alcohol that you're drinking. Obviously, there's multiple factors, but absolutely every different type of alcohol you drink causes a different way that you feel. And that's also kind of what I put into every cocktail was what alcohol is best going to suit the purpose of this drink. So for example, the Prosperous Pumpkin that I talked about earlier is a bourbon based cocktail because bourbon is made from grain. It's infused in oak barrels. It's, you know, when you think of the grain, you think of the harvest season, there's multiple layers to it. And so obviously, like, if you don't like certain types of alcohols, you can play around with swapping things out. But every alcohol can have a very specific magical purpose that it is best attuned for. So speaking of additives and things, we had talked earlier in the episode about making syrups. Yes. Um, so I'm going to assume you probably would recommend to make your own syrups versus buying some at the store, correct? Yes, yes. But I'm going to like to talk about like the bartender way to make syrups because I'll be honest, like most of like when you're behind the bar, like you got to make things quickly. You don't have time to pull out a stove top or like a, sorry, stove top. You can't pull out a stove top, but like, you know, a little heating pad, whatever those are called. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, like and, the little burners. Yes. Thank you. I was like, I'm, we're actually using one right now again, cause we're moving and I'm like, I can't even remember what oh. it's called, but <laughs> yeah, which is embarrassing. But yeah, like you don't have time when you're bartending in the middle of the shift, like it's midnight or 11 PM and you're, you're swamped with people, you can't pull out a burner and take out a pot and you just can't get fancy like that. So the bartender way, uh, when you're behind the bar is like, oftentimes we'll take a Mason jar, you heat up hot water in a tea kettle, like an electric tea kettle. Every bar I worked at had an electric tea kettle and you just do equal measured separately, equal parts of water and sugar. But this creates the opportunity to do teas. So 
if you know, again, check for toxicity, because on a witchcraft, we tend to use a lot of herbs that are toxic. So you're going to want to be careful, but like you could take a tea. So I love making Earl Grey syrups or Earl Grey with ginger. You know, and Earl Grey has bergamot in it, which is like the only way other than essential oils I can get my hand on bergamot. So you can create a tea, essentially, let it steep for five, 10 minutes, add equal amount of sugar measured separately, and you've got a magical syrup. So it's really that simple. And then let's say you want to add fresh ingredients. You have fresh rosemary from your garden or from the store, or even just a little bit of cinnamon you can sprinkle in for abundance again, or, you know, s- certain ingredients for cardamom for luck, whatever it may be. So you can just add these things very easily to create like, let's say you're doing a old fashioned, right? You know, you love old fashions. You've got your bourbon, you're doing abundance. You can add in the sprinkle of cinnamon. You can add, or like, you know, cinnamon, simple syrup, you know, just using ground cinnamon or cinnamon sticks that you have in your cupboard to make that syrup or allspice or like cloves. Anyway, it's just going to be like a delicious spice drink. And it's just so easy when you kind of like, when I hear the word syrup, I tend to like, oh my God, like I'm not a cook, you know, I'm like a bartender, (laughs) but it's really not that complicated. It's literally equal parts sugar to hot water. And you can use the opportunity to just make a tea. And it's just like adding sugar, a huge amount of sugar (laughs) to your tea. So would would you recommend, because now I'm sitting here in the back of my head thinking how I want to do this. Uh, Would you recommend if you're going to make a syrup using a tea, would you use two tea bags and let's say a cup of water? Or would you say you could probably get away with the one? Um, So I usually do a half cup of water and that that usually creates, and it also depends. Like for example, if you're doing a honey syrup, which honey syrup we do make into a simple syrup behind the bar, because the reality is, is if you're making a bee's knees, or let's say you want to do a lemon drop with honey syrup instead of simple syrup, to be frank, really thick syrup is a really thick honey is not going to shake properly. So we always make a honey simple syrup, but you'll get a good amount. I usually do about a half cup of hot water and then a half cup of sugar. And I would just use one tea bag for that. If you were going to make more than half a cup, you could, you could do two. And you know, this also, oh God, this is like so nerdy, but like if I was going to like pull and you can tell I'm super into this stuff, my mind just goes a million different directions. But like, no, no, I'm so impressed by this conversation. <laughs> I saw, yeah, it's like, why well, when you know, I got the email and I was like, oh my God, I can talk about cocktails all day. But like in the Leo season section of my astrology, my, my basically witchcraft astrology book that's coming out, there is the solar spice creativity syrup. And like, you can make a solar tea. So just put your herbs in your half cup of water, sit that outside in the sun, you know, getting the solar power of the sun in there, mixing with the ingredients. And then you add your equal parts sweetener. This one, I believe, yeah, I did a honey for this, you know, and then you can add certain safe crystals that you know, if they're non-toxic or whatever in there, obviously strain that before you add it into your cocktail and knock out one of your teeth. And again, everything being non-toxic, but that's such a great way, or like you can use your moon water to create your syrup, you know what I mean? Or ice cubes. So I just, so many layers of what you can, simple ways you can add in magic. And the wonderful thing about actually, I love making a syrup is it is great for non-alcoholic versions and cocktail versions. You can add them to your morning coffee, especially if the energy is aligned um, or to like anything really like on pancakes. I mean, it's just, so it's really worth it to try making simple syrups because there's a million ways you can use them or you can even make like a, a syrup version of a sugar jar. 
So with the drinks in the book, are they categorized in any certain way, like by the Savits or by alcohol type or yeah. flavor profile? So the um, Witchcraft Cocktails book is organized by season. And so there are some drinks for the Sabbaths. There are some drinks that are specifically for uh, different, like, for example, the scales, obviously, it's for Libra season. Um, and just the energy of kind of what you go through in that season, whether it's astrological, whether it's a holiday and things like that. So it's aligned in that kind of way of the energy of that season, what type of events or astrological energy we have. Then in Moon Magic Mixology, because this is what I do on my blog is I love to do the moon moving through different signs has different meaning. And the moon, as many of us know, has a very special connection to water and to liquid libations. And also, as I talk about in the book, to alcohol. And so I do dive deeper into the meanings of the, the moon signs and um, even, even deeper into the properties of, of alcohol magically as it relates to the moon. And so that one is organized. It is organized by season, but realistically, it's season through what sign the moon is in. So fall here, work, I mean, obviously depends on where you are, but there's, now I'm getting too complicated. <laughs> But you know, whenever it's Scorpio season, you're going to have always the Scorpio new moon and you're going to have the Taurus full moon. So it's always that case or Taurus season. You're always going to have the Taurus new moon and the Scorpio full moon. So it's organized by season, but with particularly knowing what types of moons come through and done in a way that if you are in the Southern hemisphere and everything is opposite with you for season, like you're still going to have that lunar energy. And also for the particular complications of that, I did put a reference in the back of Moon Magic Mixology as far as what ingredients are great for what the moon and what sign, because every astrological sign has different herbal ingredients associated with it, as well as what cocktail recipes. That way you can look across the book for uh, which recipes are great for the moon and cancer. So I definitely appreciate that you have a nod to our our friends in the Southern Hemisphere. I feel like they get left out a lot sometimes and just kind of have to do the opposite calculations themselves. So I appreciate that. You mentioned that in your book because we do think about them and care about them, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess I should ask, so what are the main differences? And I, this might sound obvious based on the titles, but what are the main differences between the Moon Magic Mixology book versus the Witchcraft Cocktail book? Yeah. So the, part of this was, is just appealing. There's, uh, this was something to be honest, like I'm so in depth in the witchcraft industry that I am so disconnected from this, but I guess certain people have a weird feeling about the word witches and witchcraft. And that is just news to me. So for Moon Magic Mixology, my publisher, I, yeah, I don't know. I was like, what? Like, I, but you know, I guess there are people who are still uncomfortable with the word witch in the modern era. But uh, so it's, you know, the Moon Magic Mixology is, it takes the edge of working with the lunar energy. So more just spiritual and, and aligning to those energies. Obviously, I can't help myself. Like I include witchcraft in everything that I do. But witchcraft cocktails is like the flagship. You know, it's it has a great introduction to understanding the basics of mixology. It goes through the seasons. And moon magic mixology is specifically focused on the moon. It includes extra things as well. I really wanted to build off of what I established in the first book. So there's an extra entries and more in-depth information on how alcohol is associated with the moon but also I include sake in the second book and I wasn't able to include that in the first one for example um and then I dive into you know working with 
cocktails and ingredients through the phases of the moon, through the uh, moon in different signs. So it's particularly like moon focused. So if you're someone who works just with the lunar side of things and maybe you don't care as much for the Sabbaths or the wheel of the year, Whereas witchcraft cocktails is like has drinks that are specifically aligned to spells. So spells for abundance. And like, of course, moon magic mixology has certain cocktails you could use for abundance, but it's all focused around the moon. So that's, and then also moon magic mixology again, like I was like, okay, book number two, I can include things I didn't include in the first one. So this one has um, how to make a liqueur certain liqueurs in there. So I put like a limoncello, obviously working with the moon. Lemon's a key ingredient. So making limoncello um, in really simple ways. So not overly complicated ones. There's the violet liqueur recipe, which is just like, oh my God, I'm in love with this recipe. And I'm so glad I was able to make that work. Uh, because part of it is like, I wanted to show people that if you for number one, for any of the things that I make here, if there's a bitter, a lavender bitters recipe in your magic mixology, you know, or the liqueurs, you can also buy those at the store. You don't have to use the recipes that I put in it. But it's just to kind of show that if you wanted to make those with the cycle of the moon, you can, or here's how you make a liqueur. And then if you decide like, oh, I want to make this um, recipe and it uses the violet liqueur, you can literally go to the store and buy that. So it includes a little extra on how you can add other layers of magic to your libations through liqueurs or bitters. And bitters are great to work with, particularly in the moon, because they take a long time to infuse. So <laughs> you'll have a full month to make those. Yeah, oh, I love that. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like that's actually very appropriate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so we're getting close towards the end of the hour. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about your new book because it's your release date. So congratulations on that. Yeah. So can, yeah, can you tell us about the book? Like, what can listeners expect to learn from it? Yeah, so this is part of Adams Media's Modern Witchcraft series. So I'm very honored to be included in that. To be honest, because there's like Judy and knock i'm so sorry i don't know how to like i hope i didn't butcher that name and uh sky alexander and they yes, just like yes yeah produced such wonderful works and like i'm just honored that i get to be included in that at all but particularly like obviously you can hear on what i do i include astrology a lot in the recipes that i create and so this book is not recipe like kitchen witchery based it's particularly comes from um, my my healing practice. And I should say like, you know, like you just had that podcast an episode or two ago that was like wonderful on, you know, healing with astrology. And I love that. Um, so this is like totally, you know, in align with that, but it's kind of, you know, for maybe people who no matter where you are in your astrology practice, working with the myth and magic of the cosmos. And there are so many wonderful astrology witchcraft books out there that I wanted to put something different. And so particularly this comes from, my work as an energy practitioner and aligning to the opportunities with every astrological association for healing or for manifestation. And to me, it's deeply intertwined. Like I have trouble manifesting things in my life if I'm blocked. And how do I unblock myself? Well, I do some, you know, healing magic or cleansing magic. So 
Um, I dive into obviously the elemental expressions. So doing elemental magic as well as the signs and then also the houses. So how you can use the houses, you know, to help guide how you do your astrology magic practice. Um, the planets, of course, the key times to work with certain types of energies. And then also I include extra celestial bodies that, um, People may or may not be familiar with. Obviously, many of us are familiar with the comet Chiron, but I also added in Vesta, Palace, um, Ceres in there to kind of introduce people to some of those newer concepts. And then the spells are organized by astrological season. And every season starts off with a meditation to connect to the elemental expression of that science energy. So there's like a inner spark meditation that specifically connects, you know, to Aries for starting new projects, finding what lights your inner fire. And then it's followed with an energy alignment. So I put a little bit of crystal healing in there. Um, so it's like, <laughs> and then another part of it is like, you know, I want everything to be accessible. So I try to include options for replacement, but also like every ingredient in here, I'm going to be honest, you can find like in the spice or fresh ingredient section of a grocery store, you know, like I didn't That's put anything good. super exotic. Yeah. Cause it's just like, I mean, and part of it is like part of the journey in my own life is like, I've moved from the Bay area to this no, middle of nowhere town in Arizona. And I have a much harder time getting unique herbal ingredients. And so it's like, okay, what's something that everyone can go to the store and buy. And so, yeah, so it's just, it's a lot based on obviously like magical practices and the associations. And even though it's like Aries season, it's got spells for Mars. It's got spells for working with your first house, regardless of, you know, what sign is in your first house. So there's lots of ways to mix and match and make the spell work for you. I definitely appreciate the accessibility of being able to buy things at the grocery store. I will say since getting involved in witchcraft, I know when I go to the store and I need to buy some bay leaves or even garlic powder or like any random herb that I ran out of in my kitchen, I buy it with the idea in the back of my head. And I know I'm not the only one who must do this. But I buy it and I say to myself, can I use this for witchcraft? Like, is this a good quality? Like, can can this double for something else? Like, maybe I should get this other one because the Baileys are a little bit bigger if I want to write on them. Like, these are kind of yeah. small. Uh, so I really appreciate that it's accessible in that aspect that I could just go to the store and not have to worry about going all over town and then ordering off some sketchy site on the internet that, like, God knows what their quality <laughs> is, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think part of that's obviously because of, like, my my cocktail magic, you know, is, like, I've never seen a separation between ingredients that I use for the kitchen and for magic. Like, quite frankly, they cross over. Obviously, like, I have to make sure non-toxic, but, like, I'll literally just walk up to my kitchen and take ground cinnamon, and I don't think twice about it. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, I did recently find out the hard way that uh, cinnamon, if you put it on your bare skin, can have a chemical reaction. It can cause burns. Um, like just essential as, oil or fresh? Yeah, no, like ground cinnamon that you get in a jar. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I know that um, cinnamon essential oil, I experienced that personally, but I've never had that problem with ground cinnamon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I had it happen to me <laughs> not that long ago because I put some ground cinnamon in my hand for witchcraft purposes and I didn't have it in my hand for that long. It was maybe like a minute, maybe two minutes at most. Um, I did buy a pretty high quality ground cinnamon. So maybe that's why, but I remember after I, stuff. yeah, after, I mean, it was just something I bought at the grocery store, you know, like not even like <laughs> the highest of the end. I didn't go to like William Sonoma or anything. Oh. It was like my local <laughs> Safeway. And, um, yeah. Uh, 
like shortly after washing my hands and everything, I noticed my hand was like really red and it burned and there was wow. like stuff on it. So I Googled it and I was like, am I going crazy? Like what's happening? And apparently cinnamon can do that to you. I did not know that. I found out the hard way. So just as a heads up to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're ragging on cinnamon this episode. I love cinnamon. <laughs> never even like I'll be honest with you like I get really messy with my witchcraft like if I'm doing a maple cocktail I will put maple on a candle or you know, if I'm doing a honey cocktail I'll put honey instead of like an oil a conjure oil on the candle and like roll it in herbs and I like walk away with my hands completely covered but like I've never that's crazy I mean you probably got that I think there's like this one I think I know which spice you're talking about it's like says gourmet on the top or something it comes yeah, yeah. in a glass jar and it's this brand. I think it's called like, oh God, I do not know the name of it. It's like M and B or Mo- Monet Ambassador. I, I think I'm talking about like a plumbing company, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, maybe scratch that. Um, but yeah, it's like this fancy glass jar thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Wow. But um, yeah, I found that out the hard way. But it was only like on the palm of my hand. And I guess that skin's a little bit more sensitive than like the fingertips. Yeah. I mean, this is something really interesting to actually research in. Cause I will just say, um, I, a book that I definitely suggest for people if are more interested in like cocktails and fresh ingredients. Um, it's, it's not witchcraft related at all, but it's called the drunken botanist. And so there's actually two types of cinnamon. And so there's, uh, there's two very distinct types of cinnamon and one is definitely more expensive than the other. I forget the different names. So I just wonder if it relates to that at all versus the lesser quality one or just personal reaction. But that's just, wow. <laughs> I'm going to be careful from now on. So I just looked it up. It's called Morton and Bassett. That's the brand Ooh. that I have. And I think it was like the organic one that they have. But if you see that one in the store, just, just be <laughs> careful, guys. <laughs> be careful about that one. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have heard that, that there are two different types of cinnamon. Yeah. And a lot of what people buy is not actually what they're looking for but they don't know because that's just kind of what we've been used to purchasing yeah and it's really hard to come I mean again I'm in Arizona now so it's like maybe if I was in California I'd be able to find it but like I haven't been able I I'm using the like kind of to be called cinnamon but the fake cinnamon all the time because I can't find the other one so well good luck on your cinnamon journey and for the record (laughs) with as much as much shit as I've talked about cinnamon I love cinnamon so I just don't mean to make this like an anti-cinnamon podcast at all i I love cinnamon it's a great spice (laughs) Uh, okay so i have a couple closing questions for you um one is what is your favorite drink out of all the books that's such a great question and i'm so sorry to answer with this but i will say like if I was younger, I might give a very specific answer, not in relation to my books, but towards what my favorite cocktail was. But there's something that I think happens whenever you like become a professional chef, professional mixologist, whatever it is, you learn to appreciate the flavor in everything. And so I, I don't have favorites anymore for that reason. Um, but let me just look at the table. Well, I will say the violet liqueur recipe is one of my tops, although of course, violet you have to order dried violets you know because not all of us have access to that so that's a seasonal thing otherwise it's expensive but again you don't have to make the liqueur obviously persephone's descent everyone loves persephone's descent uh the reaper which is a mold wine recipe for connecting to the dead 
thus its name that way, but also because mold wine comes from Rome. Um, that's a, wine. Yeah, yeah. And so the Press with Pumpkins, another really popular one, Awakening Yule Mule. The Harmony Healer has a lavender chamomile syrup. Simply delicious, everything you put it in. And that's also like the Mercurial Grounding Elixir has that same lavender chamomile syrup. So that's a really, Mercurial Grounding Elixir is just absolutely delicious. Let me see from my second book here. I mentioned the Violet Liqueur recipe. I'm so sorry. The Violet Liqueur recipe was just like, I was so proud of myself when I was able to make it because I won't lie, like it's it's complicated. And, um, you know, finally when I was able to find the right, I was just like, fuck, this tastes delicious. Can I swear on this podcast? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. Like, I have been filtering myself this whole time. I'm a oh, no. from the Bay Area. So like, <laughs> I swear like a sailor in it. Anyway, um, the Aries Moon Mule, definitely from my Moon Magic Mixology book, Lunar Purification Potion for those who, you know, like a champagne type cocktail um, for cleansing, delicious. Oh, I also love the um, moon mold wine because it uses a white wine instead of a traditional mold wine. So um, it has like a German Riesling in there. I probably mispronounced that. I apologize. So that one I love because it it's unique in that way. And it's just great for connecting to like kind of the gratitude and abundance themes that people might like to be with the moon. Um where is my oh cosmic wisdom apple teeny? Oh, yeah, sorry. That sounds good. <laughs> it's just like there's there's a lot. Like, you know, all of them, again, I've taste tested, but everyone's flavor preference is different. And some of these are definitely more more complicated. So always improvise according to, you know, what works best for you. And also different liqueurs have different levels of sweetness so always take that care of what your flavor preferences are but those are just some of the ones on the top of my head okay now I'm gonna be selfish so I'm gonna ask you for a recommendation so I like vodka based drinks I don't like super strong tasting drinks so I'm not like a vodka martini type person mm-hmm. or on the rocks person I don't like super sweet drinks but I like like sweetness just not the same sweetness I would have liked when I was 21 yeah. So do you have a drink that you would recommend from any of your books for me? Yeah. I mean, I, I will be honest, like from each book, there's 70 or so recipes. So there are a shit ton of recipes in there. See, I was about to like quiet myself when I was saying shit right there. <laughs> um, but actually, for, I would, what instantly popped into my mind is this, and also because I just recently made it, is this drink on my blog, which is a common chamomile lunar cocktail. And it's, you make a chamomile rose tea. It is a vodka cocktail. It has a little bit of apple brandy in there, or you can use fresh apple, um, maple, and it's just simply delicious. Like that's probably what I would suggest because it's really well balanced. It does have the little edge of a little bit of sweetness, but not so because maple syrup is much more subtly sweet when you add it to a cocktail than pure sugar. So I would definitely suggest you check out that one, especially because if you have chamomile rose, or you can just use a tea that you get from the store. Like you don't have to be super fancy about it. Uh, it can be really easy to make that one. That sounds really good. I'm not a big fan of brandy, but having apple juice for perhaps like that sounds amazing. And I should be careful with apple brandy. It's not like brandy brandy. <laughs> I should clear. It's kind of misleading in the way it's like a fruit brandy, but it's not at all. Like if you're talking about straight up brandies that you don't like, it does not taste anything like it's basically like a apple brandy is basically a liqueur, like an apple liqueur. If I'm being oh, Okay. That's not sacrilegious but it does not taste anything like traditional brandy it's just brandy in terms of they 
probably use brandy in the process, but it is it's completely different uh, flavor wise. That's actually really helpful because every time I've gone to a restaurant, I've seen apple brandy listed on any of the cocktail menus when it's mixed with another alcohol. I immediately said no to it because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't like brandy, so I'm not getting that one. And now I'm like, man, maybe I should have tried it. Which yeah, actually, well, now know, that we're saying this makes sense because there's the amount of sangria I've had that I've been like, well, I guess I'll just have the brandy and then I don't really taste it now. Now I'm starting to understand. <laughs> I'm putting the pieces together of why that was. Yeah. And also for anyone listening and also for you, like the way that I started off when I was bartending and like I didn't have a lot, like it, alcohol is freaking expensive, you know, so you don't want to drop a lot of money on something you don't know you're going to like a lot of liquor stores or, you know, any place that carries liquor or total wine or wherever you are, they'll often have small sample bottles and they definitely have small sample bottles of apple brandy. So that's usually enough for at least a cocktail, if not more, if you're just using it as a side liqueur and it's not the main alcohol. So that can be a way to taste the apple brandy, like make sure it, you know, what kind of brandy it is. <laughs> That's actually a really great idea, especially if you want to make a cocktail for like a party or something, but you want to yeah. taste it before going on and spending all that money on the bottles. Yes. I don't know why I never thought of that. Thank you. That's a, yeah. that's a wonderful <laughs> idea. I love that. Because the Cape area is expensive. So I was like, I'm not going to invest in these huge bottles. I'm just going to use those little carry on ones for the airplanes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's fantastic. Well, all right, Julie, this has been so helpful and so insightful. And I really feel like I need a drink now, not because of our <laughs> interview, but because I would like a nice crafted cocktail because that just sounds amazing right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm drinking a, I'm drinking water, but <laughs> maybe, maybe over this weekend, I'll have to look into getting something a little bit stronger than that. Um, I do have one final question for you before we wrap yeah. up. So this question is something I ask everybody at the end of my episodes doesn't have to be related to what we talked to or could be, but if you could give one piece of advice to a beginner just starting out in witchcraft, what would you say to them? Yeah. You know, there's multiple things. Um, and also from like someone who's worked at a metaphysical store and helped a lot of people. I firmly believe like you have to hold space in your mind in order to research things across multiple avenues. So don't just like take advice from one person, look it up in multiple places and see what they say. But at the end of the day, always choose what works best for you because magic is really individual and everyone's healing and manifestation and their strengths and it's going to look different. So I definitely like look up at multiple resources, but with that wisdom and that education, always default to to what you feel intuitively and your personal connection with what you're working with. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful advice. <laughs> All right. So where could the listeners find you on social media? Yeah. So the best place I'm going to say for now, it, because this is never going to change, um, Julia Helena Haddis and juliahelenahaddis.com because you know, no matter what I'm doing, everything is going to extend from that. Um, I also have my blog, witchcraftcocktails.com, and the Instagram for that is at witchcraftcocktail. But probably the easiest place to go is just look up my name, and it will have links to everything else from there. Perfect. And all of that will be in the bio for this episode. And if you are looking to find me, you can find me on Facebook at Seeking Witchcraft Podcast, Twitter at Seek Witchcraft, Instagram at Seeking Witchcraft, 
I have a Facebook group called Witches Seeking Witchcraft and uh, Patreon where you can support the show, which is patreon.com slash seeking witchcraft. And I'm sorry if you're hearing my cat in the background why I'm saying all of this. <laughs> She's having one of those reverse sneezes right now. So <laughs> I think I heard a little wheeze. That was yep, cute. yep. <laughs> well, yeah. So anyway, Julie, thank you so, so much for coming on. I'm so excited to dive into this book and make some of these cocktails for my friends. And this has been such a pleasure having you here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye.